are listening to Legacy Lawyers, hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Nathan, what is that face? My like, I don't know. It's too bad that this isn't all. You don't share the video very often, huh? Some at some point, somebody will pull that off, and I'll see a social media post, and I'll wish that I'd never pulled that face. They'll be like, "Oh, well." What that face is is the let's talk about buy sell agreements face. Dude, that, that could be a logo. <laughs> you put on all your legal planning binders. That's right. That'd be sweet. Yeah, let's talk about buy-sell agreements. So before we do, Nathan and I want to just remind everyone that this podcast is provided for educational purposes only. And, and educational You always forget that it's also for entertainment. And entertainment purposes. Even though Maybe you're only here to educate, but I'm here to educate and entertain. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best in it, in an entertainer, but. Well, I do my best. One day, maybe I'll master. So we are attorneys, but your specific situation is different. So, any advice or comments we make in this podcast, you need to seek independent legal advice from your own attorney. And now your situation is different. Now you messed up. Your situation is different. Different. (laughs) My whole disclaimer, you messed up. No, it's okay. Basically it just means don't rely on our podcast as legal advice. Seek out your own attorney. Yeah, that was, that was well put. That was well put. So what do you call? Uh, well, first of all, what what, what is a buy sell agreement? It's definitely not an agreement to buy someone's company, and that's what a lot of people get mixed up. So I've had people come to oh, me. Oh, you say, mean like a buyout agreement or a purchase agreement? It's not one of those. It's not one of those. So. People have called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy this business. I need a buy-sell agreement. No, you don't. Well, you do, but you needed that long before you're selling the company. Or you'll need it after you buy the company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I refer to a buy-sell agreement as a business prenuptial. Which is... Very, very close to what it is, right? Yeah, because, I mean, anybody who's had a business partner um, can attest that you're as, it's not marriage, but it's like, it is a business marriage. Mm-hmm. And your, your, you know, your business interests, your business dealings, those all become very intertwined. Usually when you have a business partner in one aspect things grow out of that so i mean we started out as just running a law practice and now we have like i can't even keep track how many things we have going on that we share ownership in or Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it is, you do, you do uh, have parts of your life wrapped up with your business partner that you really should have an agreement that, that governs how that's going to work, especially if the crap hits the fan. Which it often does. So there's more likely than not, it will. Yeah. So there's about, I, don't know. I mean, just think of like the big corporations. Do you think Steve Jobs, rest his soul, would ever say that the crap hit the fan in his business? I mean, he yeah. got kicked out of his own company. Yeah, he did. Huh? <laughs> then they and he was invited back. Brought him back. They realized mm-hmm. that might have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. So, if you own the business just by yourself, you're the sole owner. You don't need a buy sell agreement. But the second you bring in one business partner, then it's one of the most important documents you'll have in your business. So the most common, the most common thing that triggers a buy-sell agreement is someone passing away. Well, I don't know. Actually, I take that you back. It's not that. the most common. It's, it's one of the main ones that we worry about. So. Yeah. Um, meaning trigger, meaning once somebody has one in place, the thing that makes it operate is something happens like somebody passes away, a partner, a business partner passes away. Yeah. So like where a prenup says, Hey, this is what we would do if we got one of us dies. And this is what we would do. This is how it would work. If one of us passed away, a business by sell agreement says, Hey, this is what we would do if these events happen. And then you list all the events that you want covered. So it might not be a divorce. It might be a retirement, right? So if Mm -hmm. I retire or if I quit the company or I leave the company, what's, what's the rules? We just going to fight about in a way that's kind of a divorce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does cover what happens if a partner dies or becomes disabled. Mm-hmm. It can cover what happens if a partner goes through a divorce and now their spouse for bankruptcy yep. finds himself in a lawsuit. Um, also covers if they become permanently disabled. Mm-hmm. So there's about seven there's seven kind of triggering items that we see the most. So you don't have to have them all in your agreement. You can have one, two, three, just depends on which ones. Like I've talked to some business owners and I'm like, well, if one of you are not working in the company, do we need to have that person be bought out? Mm-hmm. And half the time they're like, no, it doesn't matter. They just won't get a salary anymore. And they'll just get whatever profits the company has. They'll get their percentage and they can be a silent owner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or what if, um, what if I passed away? Would, would, would Shannon be your new business partner? My wife. Yeah. So most people don't want that. So your buy sell would say, um, no, we're not business partners, but I do owe you a buyout for Nathan's shares. 
for his ownership interest in the company or the various companies that we have, the operations that we run, the things that we own together as partners. Exactly. And I actually had a case like that years ago where one of the owners passed. <clears throat> they had no buy-sell agreement, nothing in place, right? And so um, the spouse now under the non-existent statute, under the non-existent estate plan by sell agreement, right? There was neither. There was no by sell agreement, and there was no um, estate plan. So by default, um, but guess where they ended up? Got the they ended up at a lawyer's office. So I guess one of the lessons is you can either work with the lawyers now while everything work is going well, or you can wait till the crap hits the fan and then everybody has to have a lawyer. And usually it's about 10 times as expensive. Yeah. So the first question, the first thing that comes up is does either party have to sell or buy, right? So does the deceased person's spouse, the new owner, you know, the person who took over the, their share, do they have to sell anything to anybody? And if there was no agreement, the answer is no. They don't have to sell the, their ownership. If it's an LLC, they don't have to sell it. If it's stock, they don't have to sell the stock. They just own it, right? And then same thing with the company or the other owners. Like, so if I... If you pass Nathan and Shannon came to me and say, hey, Mike, I want you to buy me out. I can be like, if there's no agreement, I can be like, I just don't have the money. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to do that. I would, I would find you. <laughs> I would find a way to encourage you to do the right thing. No, so, actually, you, you would do the right thing. Well, and the, I mean, there's just so many bi different businesses and so many different situations that it could, you know, if, if the, if you think the company's about to take off and double in value, you don't want to sell. You want to keep your ownership, right? Mm -hmm. If, if as a company, you know, you, that owner that died did some really crucial things and now you're not going to be it's going to be really hard to even be successful now, then, you know, you might not want to pay money to buy someone out because you don't have the money or you're worried you're buying something that's not worth very much anymore. So there's just so many situations that each business is different. You got to decide beforehand what works for your business. Yeah. And that's the key um, is, I don't know, maybe we should, rename the podcast um prepare now for all contingencies i don't know because it's like <laughs> that's all we ever talk about is like we should plan ahead for this problem we should plan ahead for this contingency same thing in a business scenario if somebody decides to leave a business what do we do if somebody's disabled a partner's disabled in the business what do we do if somebody, a partner dies in the business, what do we do? That's what the buy-sell agreement governs. That's what it covers. And not having one can be devastating because, 
I mean, for the same reason that in the wrong situations, not having a prenup can be devastating and it can turn into, you know, um, a multi-year, multi tens of thousands of dollars litigation because nothing was decided ahead of time. So I'll give you an example. Um, I had a client recently that they, they were existing clients. They, they decided to start a new business and they called me kind of last minute to say, cause you know, when you're starting a new business, everything's got to happen yesterday. And, and they were just, they were going to have a non-attorney just put together a quick operating agreement for them. And then they were going to get started. And they just had one little question for me. And I was able to say, you guys should really reconsider how you're going about this. And they weren't thrilled with the, with my news, but by the time it was over, they totally understood why. Um, and they were so glad that they, took the time and the effort and put the effort in to make sure everything was lined up properly. And the thing that actually ended up taking the longest, and I find this to be fairly common is the question I asked them was, okay, if somebody has to be bought out because they die, because they um, are disabled, because whatever happens, if they have to be bought out, how are you going to value the company what's the valuation method of the company mm -hmm. and they're like okay we'll come up with that and we'll call you we'll call you back later this week and let you know four months later these are people that are getting along that are excited about a new business venture it took them four four months of learning more about the industry learning about valuations talking to a family member that had experience in this. Um, and then the second he knew what they were doing, he's like, I'm so glad you're doing this because I've seen so many scenarios where people litigate the first five months of the litigation is over the valuation method when the partnership's breaking up. Because what happens is one partner says, well, I want it valued this way because if they value, if the company's valued that way, the way they hold their shares or what they contributed is worth more than if valuation method B was chosen. Yeah, whoever's, um, whoever's selling is gonna want the valuation to come as high as possible and whoever's buying is gonna want the valuation to come as low as possible. And it's, there's, there's, it's an art, it's not an exact science on how you no. value something. And so ultimately they came back and they said, okay, here's our valuation method. And it was a full paragraph with an equation at the end of it. And, but it's, it's set and now it's signed and it's in place. And if the crap hits the fan, then they can't fight over what the valuation method is because a, a judge would shut that down real fast and say, look, guys, I don't know what's hard about this, but I think I see four signatures at the bottom of this document. And it says, in this paragraph of this section that we agree that the valuation method um, in the event of a, any scenario where somebody's being bought out or the company's winding down or whatever is method A. So method B and method C and method D are not an option. It's method A. So pick your appraiser and there's actually a procedure in there for how they pick their appraiser. 
Um, cause even that I've seen people litigate over that. It's like, well, somebody wants to use somebody they have a relationship with connection with, or they, they don't trust the other partner to pick one or whatever. So there's actually a method for how we pick the, the business appraiser, the evaluator. And that, so if, imagine if it took four people that are excited about a new business venture, four months to do that, what, how, what that could look like if they weren't getting along and the crap had already hit the fan. That's why you end up with multi-year litigations over this kind of stuff. And, and the valuations are, can be hard to do because like our, our business is a law firm, right? And so mm-hmm. if Nathan's not here, is the law firm worth as much as it was when he was here? And the answer is no, right? And so it's easy. It's really easy to have a difference opinion on how to value something depending on the type of business. Now, if it's a type of business that sells a widget, right. And no one even knows who the owners are and could care less who they are. As long as the widget is awesome, they're going to keep buying it. Well, then, you know, the valuation doesn't need to adjust for the loss of a, of the owner. Right. Cause when I went in and got my, last iPhone, I didn't check who's running Apple today. Mm-hmm. Has there been any changes to the board? Has there been any changes to the CEO? Like I no, I mean it's just like Apple. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of businesses that are like that. And then there are a lot of businesses like ours where the owners really matter and because they work in the business. So you got to kind of understand that. And then the next part is you got to understand how you're going to pay. So, so let's say you come up with a million dollar value for the business. Well, how are you going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. And, and that, so what people need to understand about that is it's like, if you don't have a method or you don't have an agreement as to how that's going to work, one, the, the, the person that's staying in the business is going to say, well, uh, the way you're going to get paid is 500 bucks a month on a promissory note for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. And the person leaving or the spouse of the deceased partner is going to say, no, I want it all now. And then your response is, well, we don't have enough liquid in the company to be able to pay you any different than the way I'm proposing a promissory note. I think you could do better than that. Just so that you're aware. I think you could do better than $500 a month on a promissory note, Mike, if something happens to me, but, (laughs) um, but that, that could be the case. So, so life insurance is one of mm -hmm. the first, how do you fund the buy sell? Are you going to be self-insured against a, a, a buyout scenario? Or are you going to purchase like a, a life insurance policy that says, um, you know, it's a million dollar life insurance policy. So um, up to a million dollars of that money could be used to buy out the partner. And it's a, it's a policy on my life and it's a policy, maybe a separate policy on your life. And if something happened to either one of us, then that policy is going to pay out and all of a sudden the company has the money to do a cash buyout. 
yeah, then the company has whatever it might be and they can now just pay that spouse or right away. But that only works if the triggering event was death, right? If, if the buyout's triggered because I'm incapacitated or I quit, then you go back to, okay, well, are we going to pay it over time? Um, what's the interest rate if we paid over time? And is, is that ownership? Is that, you know, is that promise to pay secured against any assets like the company, like the company assets or the ownership in the company? And then your buy-sell agreement should spell all that out. So when, when the, the event happens, there, there's no conflict. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one more scenario. Um, a partner commits some sort of criminal offense mm. and damages the reputation of the company. Mm. Um, and in this particular case, there was a very, very basic um, operating agreement. There was no buy-sell. Um, the partner was incarcerated and was cut off from having communications with pretty much everybody because of the nature of the offense. And so the other partners, because there was no buy-sell, because there was no agreement on this, um, spent tens of thousands of dollars on paying attorneys to represent themselves, attorneys to represent the company, attorneys to represent the person that was the, 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 the person incarcerated and multiple, multiple months of strategizing and trying to come up with a scenario that was workable to do the right thing by all parties involved. That would be hard. So did the person who was um, incarcerated want to, um, did they want to sell? Were they open to selling or was it? No, they had kind of, I would say, unrealistic expectations about what was going to happen to them based on the nature of the charges. They thought they'd be out. They wanted to stay in the business. And so it actually ended up taking kind of an adversarial um, posture, but it was the only thing that could be done to save the company. And the, the hardest part about this is that multiple people's livelihoods depended on this company's ability to continue to operate. And so it's not that anybody wanted to take an adversarial position as to the the partner that didn't want to sell that was that was having legal issues it's just that that's the only thing that they could do to not end up penniless and to lose their livelihoods and to lose their futures their ability to retire their ability to take care of their families down the road yeah because there's probably i mean with that situation there's obviously extra issues right that how does that person if you keep them on as the owner how does their reputation impact the business? 
And then two, a lot of criminal offenses have personal liability that follows them, right? So if I committed a crime, a lot of times there's civil and restitution. And so how does that come back to affect the business later on? So you can't, you can't leave that person as an owner. Yep. Um, So none of us plans on being a criminal, at least I hope not, but you should build provisions into your buy-sell. And by the way, a buy-sell can be a section of an operating agreement. You can build a buy-sell agreement. It can be the buy-sell provision of your operating agreement, or you can have a separate agreement. Yeah, but have something in there that addresses um, what happens if somebody is involved in some sort of if they're accused of criminal misconduct, um, if they're accused of some sort of civil misconduct, if they do something that is illegal and it damages the company's reputation. Um, have provisions that that spell out how that would affect the the business and how it affect the partners, both the ones staying and the ones and and the one or multiple people that are leaving. So, what would you say you see the most common mistake with buy sell agreements? Would you have one that comes to the top besides not doing one? <laughs> I was just going to say not having one. Yeah, not, I mean, obviously. Not having one is a mistake, but once you have one. 100% the most common mistake. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's such a common mistake that I don't know that I have a second one because I don't see enough buy-sell agreements. So many people haven't done them. I'm creating buy-sell agreements for the first time for most of the people that I'm working with. For me, it's they're they're outdated right they maybe created the buy sell agreement at year one two three four of the company now the company's in year 10 15 and it's a different company right yeah Yeah, in that amount of time if you're still around chances are you are a completely different operation than when you started the valuation method doesn't make sense anymore the payout structure doesn't make sense anymore maybe they Maybe they were fine with self-funding the buyout. In the first three to five years of operating the company, but 15 years in, it doesn't make sense anymore. In fact, they don't have the ability anymore to, to fund it. And what they really should be doing is adding some life insurance to cover all the additional value that is built in. I mean, you could have a company that started out as a really basic startup in years one, two, and three. And by year 15, it's a multi, multi-million dollar mm-hmm. affair. Yeah. Where even you have, you, yeah, you might even just have a setup where, you know, now it's doing 10 million a year in revenue and to try to, to try to buy that person out without some life insurance would be impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, if you have that kind of revenue, you, you probably have enough to afford a life insurance policy on the key owners where yep. when you started, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't have money to 
for life insurance. So yeah, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is that a buy sell can be pretty dramatically different from another buy sell depending on the industry. Oh yeah, um, it totally different for yeah. construction business versus a professional practice or mm-hmm. yeah, or uh, yeah, or a tech company versus a lawyer's office, right? Yeah. So I guess the other thing I'd say is that like nobody loves the idea of, oh man, we got to go, we got to pay somebody several thousand dollars to put this buy sell agreement for us. And, and it's just something that gets put off and it gets kicked down the road. But the time that you're so happy you did it is when the crap does hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Same as in a prenup. It's like, gosh, we should have done that. And now here we are. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like anything until I've had somebody, the, the, the people that come in and they're adamant that they need it and they want it and they're willing to pay for it. It's because they've already been burned once. Or they've seen, or they know someone who's been burned, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I wish there was a way we could bottle that. So that when somebody that comes in and they just think they're invincible and nothing's ever going to happen, you could just hand them a bottle and say, could you just open the lid and just drink that? (laughs) And then they drink it and then they go, oh my gosh, yeah, we need to do this. You know, it's like they've just been shown a picture of the worst possible scenario you could imagine coming uh, playing out in their business and in their lives. And they're like, oh, it's so worth doing this now, going through the effort, paying the money and getting it in place. So I don't know how to say it any differently than we've been around the block a few times. We've seen the carnage that comes from lack of this type of planning and just, I guess another way to look at it is look look at the best and biggest companies in the world and consider what they do to be best practice and you'll find buy sell agreements in every single one of them. Well, I would say too, just kind of, I mean, just kind of think about it from your side, you know, how would you want your family to be treated if something happened to you? And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same motivation of why someone does a will or a trust, right? I do a will or a trust to make things easy for my family and my loved ones. And so, yeah, you do a buy sell agreement to make things easy for your family and your loved ones and your business partner. It's- yeah. And I think the other thing that I want to also say, I totally agree with that. Um, but you said something when we were talking about doing this episode that I think everybody should hear. And it had to do with people that go into a business thinking, well, we're, we're best buddies. We get along great. We're going to always be business partners. We're going to finish you know, when we're done with the business, we'll sit, we'll sell it for gobs of money and we'll sit on the porch together and, and sip a cold beverage and ride off into the sunset. But you said something that, you know, what are the odds of somebody of, of two partners, let alone more than two getting 15 years in and not having something happen? What did you say? You, you said it way better than I did. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think of all the triggering events, right? So if you start a business with someone and your business partner's 15, 20, maybe 30 years, the odds of none of the owners ever having a disability come up, there you go, death, needing to retire or quitting, um, is like very small. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's really not going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really not if something happens, uh, this type of triggering event, you should really think of it more of a when something like this happens. And if you think of it that way, then you're going to be much more motivated and much more inclined to have that agreement in place. When you go, let's just accept the reality that something like that's going to happen to one of us and let's have an agreement in place that governs what happens when it happens instead of going that's never going to happen it's so true it it's it's the biggest mistake is just not doing it yeah and i still feel like the i we can't say it any stronger than we have but i still feel like there might be people listening that just go yeah maybe we need a parade of testimonials at the end of this. Like we bring clients on the line and, and say, do you think what we just said, it had any value? Would, would, would you recommend people follow this? We could parade them. Parade them. Well, Nathan, we are out of time, but I hope everyone now is running out to get their buy sell agreements in place. Yeah. Don't hurt yourselves getting out there. It's okay. Drive, drive the speed limit. Don't pull your attorney out of a meeting immediately, but set an appointment, talk to your business partners, be orderly about this, but just start moving in that direction. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.